live long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is, is a, a play, play on nerds. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, welcome back to episode 161 of A Play on Nerds. I'm Steve. And I'm Jarman. And this is our, as always, holiday special. We're bringing you a little bit of that Christmas cheer in your ear and not in your rear. <laughs> not yet, anyways. If and Jarman, what are we talking about today to usher in the holiday season? Well, and a rare departure for us to watch something actually modern. Um, we're watching a movie that just came out on Apple TV Plus called Spirited. It's a uh, musical vehicle starring the wonderful um, Ryan Reynolds Will and Farrell. Will Ferrell. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, and a lot of other people you might recognize. And it's, it was uh, basically a Christmas Carol tale kind of thing, but a new spin on it. And we're going to talk all about that later on. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, John, what have you been up to? Uh, well, we actually recorded pretty recently, but since the last time we recorded, we um, I went to the Junior Thespians competition to be a judge. It was adorable. So basically, if you don't have that where you are, it's basically Thespians is a honor society type thing for drama kids in school from middle school to all through high school. And Steve and I were both in Thespians in high school. And this is the middle schoolers one, junior thespians. And so what they do is they meet outside of school, out of class, and they put together scenes or monologues or group scenes or musical scenes, and they take it to a competition. And this is the district competition, the first one they go to for their district. And I got to be a judge there. They pay you for the day. They give you free lunch. And you see these individual acts come by. And I was judging ensemble group performances. And so these kids come in from three to probably six, six kids, I think, are allowed to do. And they do little scenes from different plays and stuff. And it was adorable. And thankfully, they tell the judges beforehand, you know, these are middle schoolers. They're not deciding to do this in college yet. So you can be really easy on them and don't give them really harsh gradings. And just give them a lot of constructive feedback so they can grow as performers or decide that, you know, theater's not for them when they get to high school. Um, and there's still reports of judges coming there and just bashing these kids on their judging forums and being total assholes. So like, these are 10 to like 13, 14 year olds, like just be nice. Um, but it was a lot of fun and I got paid. So that was cool. 125 bucks. I didn't have before, you know? Um, and nice. then, uh, and also it was fun because my fiance, her school was there at the competition. So it was, uh, we got to spend the day together a little bit at a time. And how much did she pay you <laughs> under the table for a good grades? <laughs> Nothing. That's right. <laughs> But then also, uh, I just today confirmed my wedding venue and date. So July 15th, 2023, I will be getting married. And it's pretty awesome to finally have that first big part confirmed. Because <laughs> as some people will know, it's like seems to be the hardest part and most stressful is just making sure you get that date cemented. Yeah, put down a fat deposit on the venue. And then now we can start sending out, you know, save the dates and that kind of thing. So it's good. First step out of the way, which is great. <laughs> what about you, Steve? What have you been up to? That's exciting. Uh, not as exciting here. Uh, kids just just continue to be sick. Mm. Joyce's cough got better, got worse, back into the doctor. Now she's on a 10-day stint of antibiotics. Oof. Uh, Dilly is also coughing up. A, like, he seems to be trending upward, though. She's the one that keeps like bouncing up and down. 
Uh, our boy cat literally just ran away again a half hour ago. I know, so terrible. That just happened again. Dilly, shirtless with no pants on, was like, Mama, I want to help you with laundry. And he left the screen door open as he wandered out nearly <laughs> naked into our courtyard. Oh, God. And as it turns out, Anna was too busy dealing with him to notice that the cat had gone. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise, just hectic at work. Uh, my coworker Danny is on vacation down in Disneyland. They're doing it up big. Mm. Um, but I have a major deliverable that that was delayed by many weeks, and so because of that, this vacation that Danny was going to take that was going to be way after we were going to have this done. It's right happening right now. Oh boy. <laughs> right now. So I get to do all the two person stuff by myself. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um no, it's just this is a rough week at work. Rough week with the kids, but we're just hoping to get everyone better for travel. Yeah, because soon you're having that's a lot of days off. Goal. Yeah, I'm having sixteen days or something. It's amazing. Off. That'll be the most I've had in my, like, basically since, like, maybe high school. Yeah. Like a summer. <laughs> That's true. And like it'll I've be... done 11 or 12, but, like, 16, like, half a month. Holy hell. Yeah. That's a long time. The mo- most longest vacation I've taken since, you know, high school also has been, like, or since college, rather, probably about about 10 days. Yeah. 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 That sounds about right. Those, that's still rough. You're like, you have to catch up on so much when you get back on a 10-day trip. It's a lot. Well, that's the thing that sucks about Apple being the one thing that sucks about Apple being an, an international company is like we have these days off, but we have huge contingents of people elsewhere that continue to work. Mm-hmm. And they have other days off, obviously, but like I come back to like this mountain of stuff because other people have been doing things. Right. <laughs> Not everyone's sleeping for that time. Oh, uh, what are you going to do? But hey, well, because um, Steve and I get to see each other soon because. Where I'm flying up to, to Pittsburgh to see him while he's in Pittsburgh, so we might have an in-person episode for you guys later on. Hasn't happened in a long yeah, time. We might so even involve the wife slash fiance. I know. Let's trick them into it. Let's get them great. drunk. They won't know it's happening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm very excited for it to happen, and hopefully the audience members are as well. <laughs> yeah, but I think that takes us to some nerdy news. Ooh. It's time for. Nerdy News. All right, so in keeping traditions of keeping weird names for our nerdy news stories, here we go. This is Blind Batty Babushka Beguiles with Bewitching Betellings. <laughs> I had to make up a last word there. So basically, okay. this is the story of Baba Vanga. like Vong- Shakespeare. Yeah, this is the story of Baba Vanga. So Baba Vanga lived in Bulgaria. From 1911 to 1996, she died a long time ago, but she was this over 90-year-old woman who was blind, but she gave Nostradamus-like predictions from years to come. And so every year, the representatives of her estate give out her predictions for each year as they're about to begin. And boy, do we have some for 2023. And let me tell you, people keep in time with her because a lot of her stuff seems to come true. But just like Nostradamus, you can interpret these in a million ways. So sometimes you like you sneak it in, make it uh, seem like it means something, but it actually doesn't. So here we go. A solar storm will strike Earth in 2023 on a scale the world has never before seen. 
A big country will carry out bioweapons research on people, resulting in the death of thousands of them. Uh, she also predicts a nuclear power plant explosion in 2023. <laughs> Humans will grow babies to full term in laboratories in order to allow parents to choose skin color and other characteristics of their offspring. And aliens will visit Earth. The world could find itself covered in darkness and millions will die as a result. So none of these are happy predictions. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Those first three sound feasible. There's been predictions of a, a major solar flare in the next 20 years that could throw off satellites and power grids and stuff. That's possible. Yeah. And the um, and then the and then the second one is Russia and the third one is Ukraine. Those are all possibilities. Yeah. And the babies grown in laboratories probably could have happened by now if it weren't for those pesky ethics laws and stuff. <laughs> but as for aliens um, coming to visit earth i look forward to our alien overlords i've been wanting that to happen for my whole life so let's hope it goes on <laughs> but, see i hope they're here and they're just smart enough to leave us the hell alone or they saw us and were like hell no we're staying clear of that planet they Watch. do what with their mouths ah. <laughs> well you don't like butt stuff aliens <laughs> <laughs> mouth butt stuff <laughs> never go ask them out you never go ask to mouth. Sometimes in the heat of the moment, it is forgivable to go ass to mouth. Was that Clerks or was that? I forgot. That was Clerks 2. Clerks 2. That's right. Randall, you never go ass to mouth. <laughs> we just reviewed that not long ago. Oh, I still have to watch Clerks 3. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I started it. Did not finish. Oh, boy. That's not good. It's fine. Okay. It's all right, I'm sure. All right. Well, that brings us to our main segment. Well, talking about another movie, is it fine? It's just fine, this other movie we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about Spirited. We're bringing back Christmas. We're bringing back cheer. We're bringing back cozy nights. Those twinkly lights, the glow of yesteryear. Now it's some slight... Uh, sort of a new retelling of an old classic. Well, it turns out the story of the Christmas Carol we all know and love is actually a huge near theatrical production put on by angels in which they redeem individuals from their wicked ways. Will Ferrell plays the ghost of Christmas present who refuses to retire after many seasons, and he picks the most difficult target that he's ever picked, an unredeemable named Clint Biggs, played by Ryan Reynolds. Clint is a publicist who helps the worst kind of people uh, and even uh, offers to help his niece uh, help to destroy another kid in their run for class president. <laughs> pretty, pretty brutal. Uh, with president's reputation and retirement on the line, he uh, he says they're going to take on Clint. Uh, they start the haunting. It's going all right. But then president has to take over for the ghost of Christmas past because ghost of Christmas past sleeps with Clint because he's very good looking. <laughs> he shows Clint memories of his girlfriend leaving him because he's selfish. His dying sister, who he actually runs out on, when she asks him to take it to take her daughter for her when she's gone, everything is going sideways with this haunting. And we slowly realize that there are kind of like bigger things at stake for ghost of Christmas present in desperation. Present takes Clint to his own past. And that's when we get the big reveal that present was actually the Ebenezer Scrooge. Will Ferrell was Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, present turning Clint around is more about him proving to himself that he has actually changed. Mm -hmm. Well, this stunt gets present in big trouble. He's got to play it by the book from here on out. We get the classic, come in, come in and know me better, man. Uh, Clint accuses present of um, uh, basically of, of having selfish motives for wanting to turn him, turn him around where there 
rather than actually saving him. Uh, he's then handed off to Christmas yet to come, who's the, the classic scary skeletal guy with a pointy finger yet to come takes him to a memorial service wherein he finds out that the boy he told his niece to destroy on social media has committed suicide pretty dark and also tracy morgan plays the voice of yet to come when he's not in spirit (laughs) form which is funny uh clint tries to escape the haunt but eventually gets returned to earth where he races to stop his niece from posting the terrible social media attack they stop her just in time. Clint reconciles with her and his brother. They all love each other. Everyone hugs. Uh, Present waits for this like final musical number to begin to show that Clint has been redeemed, but it never comes. Present is freaking out because he's afraid he can never be redeemed. He runs down, throws himself in front of the bus, and at the last moment, Clint pushes him out of the way. And right before the bus is about to hit, time stops, and the musical number start- starts because Clint has finally redeemed himself. Uh, There's a huge musical number that ends with time restarting and Clint being hit by the bus and being killed. Uh, Clint is dismayed and he makes an unconventional deal. And the end reveals that he has taken over as the ghost of Christmas present. He uses his PR spin and know how to run the afterlife like a fine tuned machine. And Will Ferrell gets to live happily ever after with a romantic interest that I didn't mention because she doesn't belong in the plot. Oh, she doesn't. I see. <laughs> um, all right. What did you think of this movie? So I might be wearing it. I, I love cheesy movies. I actually watch um, Hallmark movies all the time on purpose, unironically, because I think they're hilarious and wonderful. <laughs> you had to clarify on purpose. <laughs> yes. I just love the, you know, just the cheesy storylines and stuff. But I also, you know, had a, a glass of wine or two before I started watching this movie. And I just thought it was so cute. And I actually thought that it went not it was like a really sweet and saccharine and like, you know, wholesome, but at the same time, not cheesy or sappy where it was like terrible. Because they actually have like some cursing in it and some, and some rough humor and stuff. So it kept that back from being just totally cheesy and too family friendly kind of thing. Um so, yeah, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I, and uh, one of our podcasting friends, Daniel Peter Hitch, actually had written before I watched this on his Facebook that he's like, this is the best Christmas Carol adaptation I've ever seen. And I almost agree with him. For me, I You're really wrong, really, Hitch. <laughs> I really, You're really wrong. enjoy it. <laughs> um, I was, I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> I was tearing up like a lot of different times, like happy tears and stuff because I'm a total cheese ball. Um, I thought the chemistry between Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds was fantastic. Uh, I like the diverse casting of all the supporting characters, and I thought having Will Ferrell fall in love with Octavia Spencer's character, being a, a larger black woman, was like incredibly surprising and refreshing. It was like, oh, I wouldn't have expected that at all because of Hollywood's norms, and she's age appropriate for him anyway. So it's like this is actually way different than normal, because um, even an elf like Zoe Deschanel was probably like 15 years younger than him in that movie too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so overall, I, I that's the things I liked. I would have, so what about you? So, some things you liked first. So we get your okay, things I liked. Yes, I didn't know it was a full-on musical. That mm-hmm. was a nice surprise. It did lead me to some issues later that are in my like problem problems with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I like that it was a full-on musical, and I like that because of the fresh take and the idea of like the afterlife being a production company, basically, for <laughs> lack of a better term. Yeah, uh, that that there was a clear. I'll, I'll say excuse for there to be magical Christmas music numbers. Like right from the get go. Yeah. 
like right from the get go. And they didn't have to justify them at all. And I liked that. And it didn't, we didn't have to suspend disbelief because this was actually happening. There right. was actually a musical number happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought there were good performances from both uh, Reynolds and Farrell. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, some things I disliked, it had some pacing issues. Um, the, the beginning is really mile a minute to the point where there's like a musical number every minute and a half for the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then it stops being that way. And it really feels like the middle of the film really slows down in pace because of it. It's like too front loaded with the musical numbers. They front loaded it. And so I expected that pace for the entire film. And then it, it, it lurched a little bit. Um, so I think they could have just taken it and spread it out a little bit more. Um, so, uh, I, the, I complete, so. Yours, the things you liked about the plot with Octavia Spencer are not my issue. You're right. It was refreshing that she was age appropriate, that it was a little bit unconventional. Right. The pairing. Um, it really felt forced. It felt like they wrote this movie and they were like, crap, we got to get in a romance angle. And so they had to make up a thing where Ebenezer, on top of trying to fix himself and redeem himself, which is the central part of this film, it's not Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He had to, they had to balance a love story into it that didn't need to be there, that literally had to be manufactured. They literally had to make it like a special out of nowhere thing where she could see him to make that plot work. Yeah, it wasn't and clear it felt, why she could, they never explained why she could see him. Right. It just That's felt true. forced. And that, that, that aspect, when that happened, I went, oh, this was a write in. Like, this was some writer later on being like, we have to have some romance in here. And I've already thought of one perfect line that could have fixed that for you and anybody else who had a problem with this. If they just had one line where Marley, the guy in charge, would have said, oh, well, of course, you have not been fully redeemed because even though you've given so much to this organization, you have never truly loved again since uh, since we've we redeemed right, you. Right, maybe part of his goal or something. You have to love someone for real again for once more because you haven't loved anyone truly since you died and so like maybe that'll that could have been great like that could have been the last redemption so he falls in love with kimberly and then he's redeemed fully you know like that would have made see i i agree with your assessment i disagree with your conclusion and the reason is is because i love that i love that idea you just came up with but it should have been with his niece it should have been about him learning to embrace his niece in the role that his sister wanted him to take. And that plot, the plot that should have been more important and more impactful was replaced with a half-assed love story. Oh, I see what you're saying. So instead of Will Ferrell thing at all, it should have been a Ryan Reynolds taking the place of the niece that he should have. Right. Like yeah. that should have been the, the driver focus. for his character and the redeeming thing should have been the, re- the, the driver for Will Ferrell, but they shimmied in this love story that took time away from the storyline they should have done. I could see that. They should have spent more because really think about the niece. We see one scene where she comes in for advice, a lot of play where he's not actually with her. We see him refuse to take her. And then, and then at the end, he, he doesn't even stop her. Octavia Spencer's character stops her, steals that thunder too. Yeah. It's true. And then he like hugs her, hugs brother, tells him he loves him, and then dies. <laughs> like that's the reality of this fucking story we watch. That's true. The little girl's like abandoned by him now. Right. He's gone. So even if he did make amends with her, there's no time. And then we're supposed to feel okay about it because they tag in one half-ass line in the epilogue of like, oh, did you hear she got into a grad program? Yeah, she's doing great. I'm proud of that kid. And we're supposed to be okay with this? 
And instead, for some reason, Kimberly and her kids can still see hit him. But he's not going to visit his his niece. He's going to visit Will Ferrell. And like, right. We don't even get his visit with the niece. <laughs> That's true. I didn't think about that. It's trash. So <laughs> the Kimberly thing, I disagree. It was forced. It stole focus and stole time from a plot we should have cared about. I don't disagree with that statement at all. I think you're right. And, and we agreed on the point of what was refreshing about it. But you're right there. That is the point that it was taking away from maybe a, a more. But, you know, I, I, I hundred like if the if the niece had not existed or or they had integrated it into his. His story somehow. Yeah, his redemption or something. Yeah, that there was a woman even when even when we went and visited his past and we saw a woman that he never made the move on. You know, anything, anything to justify, but instead we get she can see him for no reason, and I guess they're going to fall in love, I guess. <laughs> for some reason. Right. Um, I see your point. It makes total sense. So that, so Daniel Peter Hitch, I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong, and I love you, you crazy Brit. <laughs> I think but he's but more correct. But you're wrong. <laughs> well, some things I disliked about it. Um a little more technical stuff here. The songs were all right, but they could have been more memorable. Like, I don't, nothing is sticking in my head because there's not a lot of. Re- I watched the movie. I had that exact same note. Yeah. <laughs> Just I no- watched the movie two times and I can't hum any of the tunes in my head. And that's a problem we have with like, we, Steve and I talked about this a lot about, you know, themes from like superhero movies and stuff. No, no characters have a recognizable theme that you can remember and hum along like Superman did back in the 70s. Now, give me the tune of, you know, Iron Man. I have no idea what the fuck it is. Um, well, and even to the to German's point, like last week on play, last episode of Play Nerds, we played a game where he played me th- songs from like movies backwards. And I still got the majority of them correct because they were that iconic. And none of them were from the year even 2010 and beyond at all. Yeah, even backwards, my head recognized them. And you can't do that with anything you can't do that. modern day. And so <laughs> they were fun songs at the time in the movie, this movie, like and the dance numbers were cool, but then like they're just not memorable. Why aren't we making more like a memorable refrain and chorus? There was none of that. Um, and also a little too much auto tune. It was noticeable and it took yeah, me out of it. I mean, yes, 100 percent agree. The performances from them as actors were fine. But there were so many times where the auto tune got really, really in focus. And you can tell and they spent a lot really of money on their auto tune. So it was like well done auto tune, but you could still tell it's auto tune. There's too much of it. So it's like, it takes I was pretty is Will Ferrell is actually a pretty good singer. He has a very impressive range and a, he's a very, very wide baritone. I don't know about Reynolds. I don't know if he can sing or not. Um, so it makes me even sad that they are like, ah, he's just not good enough. And I'm like, if he's just not good enough, you just should have cast someone else. Well, and like they two things on that. I saw Will Ferrell in that um, crazy Eurovision movie, which I highly recommend. It was hilarious. And he sings throughout that with very little lot of tune, it seemed, or no, not as noticeable as this. And then also Ryan Reynolds posted a video while they were um, filming this movie that went viral and it's where he's in his, in costume for the movie. And he's singing, I can be brown. I can be blue. I can be violet sky. That's that song. And then Will Ferrell yeah. pops in from the background and sings with him. They both sounded fantastic. And there was no filters, nothing. It was just a, a TikTok video. So I don't know what why they had to put in so much iTunes. Let it sound a little more natural. Leave some mistakes in there. Like, it's fine. You know, I don't know. But those are my only little gripes was the musical end of things was a little um, disappointing, I guess. Um, I'm just saying you could have cast uh, like Cheyenne Jackson in either of those roles and it would have been perfect. Who's like, Cheyenne you wouldn't Jackson? have needed any 
Uh, he's an actor who is also an incredibly gifted singer. Uh, he's done a ton of stuff. If you if you look at him, you'll go, oh, that guy. I know him from oh, 30 yeah, Rock, that guy. he played Danny. Him. Yeah, um, he is an incredible singer. He literally could have played either of the roles. He's very good looking. Yeah, <laughs> so he's, he's very good looking. So like, but the, no. So instead, they cast Ralph Reynolds and Will Ferrell, who couldn't quite do what they needed to. And I think the movie suffered because of it. Well, what makes up for that a little bit is the actor Patrick Page, who plays Marley. I was introduced to him um, through my my fiance because she does talk teaches musicals, <clears throat> and he's in Hades Town. He was in the original run of that musical that was on Broadway recently. And she was showing me clips of it, and he has this incredibly low voice, and it's just—it was so recognizable. So when he pops on screen and started talking, I'm like, "Oh my god, that's that Hades Town guy!" And he's—he's a fantastic singer, but he's like bass two or bass three. He's so low, like he can hit the lowest notes ever. Um, so definitely worth watching. But yeah, he made up for it a little bit. But I agree, the singing was just like. Ugh. So yeah, um, does that bring us to trivia? Yeah, I think I take this as trivia. I'm done harping on this thing. <laughs> but I had fun, guys. I'd recommend it. Steve, not so I'm much. not saying it's not a fun film. Good for the family. But for someone, for someone, I'm not going to name names, Dion Peter Hitch, <laughs> to boldly claim that it's better than Muppet Christmas Carol. And for me to go in with like, is this going to be better than Christmas? No. No, it is not. This has issues galore. Well, uh, Will, Ferrell and, <laughs> Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds <laughs> were each paid $20 million for being in this movie. So that's $40 million right there, just paying the two of them. Um, and the payroll for the entire film topped out at $75 million. So they were like the majority wow. of the budget, which is getting That's them- way more than Apple pays me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's the fifth musical film collaboration between Benj Pasek and Justin Paul, because they did, <clears throat> excuse me, the others they did being La La Land, The Greatest Showman, Dear Evan Hansen, and Lyle Lyle Crocodile. So- they were the they created the music for all those movies, and they also did this one. So, um, Greatest Showman and La La Land actually both have music in it that is more singable and memorable than this one did. Um, so I don't know what happened with this one. That's just you know whatever. Um, during the Christmas party scene around an hour thirty, I think it is, Will Ferrell is helped to his feet by a character dressed as Buddy the Elf, which he portrayed, and he proceeds to say the person looks stupid. <laughs> so you look so stupid. I did get a good chuckle out of that. It was a blatantly the Buddy the Elf costume <clears throat> that was really fun. And that's it's a new movie, like brand new, so there wasn't much trivia available yet. So that's pretty much all I got that was of interest. Um so yeah, that's that's spirited, folks. But Steve, you got a bit for us, I hear. It's trash. It's trash. Um, yeah. So to wipe the, just the stale taste of that movie out of my mouth, <laughs> oh, we're going to remember better Christmas movies of the past. And Jaron, I've just got some very straightforward Christmas movie classic trivia. I like it. Yeah. No bells and whistles. Movies that we all know, love, and have been watching for a long time. And I've got some good general trivia about them. With uh, one of them has a chance for some bonus points. Ooh, all righty. I'm ready. All right. In 1983's A Christmas Story, what was the name of Ralphie's younger brother? Hmm. Billy. I'm sorry. It's Randy. Oh. <laughs> I haven't seen it that many times. But a sequel's coming out, apparently. Yeah, man. How about that? <laughs> uh, in 1990's Home Alone... Where is the McAllister family planning to spend Christmas? Paris. Paris, France. Yeah. All right. 
In 1993's A Nightmare Before Christmas, what does Jack Skellington mistakenly call Santa Claus? Oh, um, Satan? No, Sandy Claus. <laughs> to the point where they think he's a giant lobster. I don't think I've ever seen that movie all the way through, so it was hard. I have seen it too many times all the way through because my children love it. Uh, and it comes on both at Halloween and Christmas. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Uh, in 1994's The Santa Claus, starring Tim Allen, what magical item is his son Charlie gifted so he can always get a hold of his dad? Oh, is it a pocket watch? No, it is a snow globe, a magic song. <sighs> I kind of knew that. Damn it. That was a good movie, though. Uh, in 2003's Elf, what are... Oh, this is bonus points. You get one point for each one you name. Ooh, okay. In 2003's Elf, what are the four elf food groups? God. You get a point for each. Candy? Yes. Okay. Um, fruit? No. I'll keep going. Okay. Um, yeah, two more guesses. Two more guesses. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. So there's candy's one of them. Fruit's not yep. one of them. Um, food groups. Oh, um, juice? <laughs> No. Damn it. Um, what other things kids would, because candy covers ice cream. No. Cake? I'm sorry. No. <laughs> Damn it. Candy, candy corn, candy canes, and syrup. Oh, what a cheat. <laughs> so you got candy. <laughs> uh, in 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, what does Clark's boss give him as a Christmas bonus instead of cash? Uh, it's condensed milk, I believe. No, what? That's what he sells. Okay. Yeah. But that's not what he gives you him. You want to take another guess? Um, instead of cash, he gives him a watch. No, it's a year's subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a good film, too. In 1992's Muppet Christmas Carol, what are the names of Gonzo and Rizzo's characters? Oh, God. <laughs> Shoot. Um, I can see them in my head, but I don't know. <laughs> Gonzo is Charles Dickens. Oh, that's And right. Rizzo is Rizzo the Rat. <laughs> Just plays himself. Damn it. You're so disappointed in me, I know. Uh, you're getting you've so far you've gotten two correct. <laughs> I'm not disappointed in you, Santa Claus is. <laughs> in 1964's Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, produced by Rankin Bass Entertainment, which of these was not a misfit toy? <laughs> Alright, you gotta tell me the odd man out. Gotcha. A toy train with square wheels. A Charlie in the box, a water pistol that only shoots jelly, and a yo-yo with no string. I'm going with the water pistol that only shoots jelly? No, it definitely all only shoots jelly. It's a yo-yo with a string. Oh, dang. No string. <laughs> and I'm a water pistol that only shoots jelly. <laughs> That's two answers with jelly in them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. No go on that one. <laughs> Damn it. I'm not going to my Christmas In 1966's animated How the Grinch Stole Christmas, what is the name of the Grinch's dog? Oh, I used to know this. 
Um, you did, but then you got old. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's let's go with the uh, shithead. <laughs> it is Max. Max. Max is the name of the dog. Damn it. All right, final one. My favorite Christmas film. Oh boy. In 1984's Gremlins, <laughs> how does Kate's dad die? I'll give you a hint. It's Christmas related. Oh, um, I know he gets crushed by something. Pretty yeah, you're cl- close. It's, is it like he gets impaled by a Christmas tree? <laughs> no, that is good though. <laughs> No, he's trying to surprise the family by dressed as Santa Claus tries to come down the chimney and he slips and breaks his neck and they find him oh my God. in the chimney like a week later or something. So it's not even related to Gremlins, him dying. No, this happens like years before the film. Oh, I'm thinking of the guy. She's like, <laughs> what, are you thinking about Mr. Futterman? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. How'd he die? All right, Jarman. Uh, I don't know. He is alive. He's alive in the second film. Okay. Maybe he doesn't die. Then. Now, Dick Miller is one of uh, Joe Dante's lucky charms that Joe Dante put in every one of his movies in some <laughs> yeah. form or fashion. Uh, so, Jarman, you got you got two Christmas points, I'm pretty sure. Just, just two, huh? You got Paris, France, and you got candy. <laughs> I got candy. Well, after that disappointing display, <laughs> we're now moving on to Radical Recommendations. <laughs> If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so in the last week or so, I've been working nonstop late into the night, and I'll be editing audiobooks, and then I just take a break for a while, and I cut up. I I hadn't watched a lot of the DCEU movies um, because I wasn't, you know, that excited about them to begin with. So I was like, eh, I'll watch them, like, when I'm on breaks between my work sessions. So... I kind of rewatched uh, Man of Steel, and then the second one was what uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, kind of the Zack Snyder trilogy. I'm not a huge Zack Snyder fan, so, but I did like Man of Steel when I initially saw it, so I didn't think it was that bad, and, and I liked it through the second watch through. And they had the like the final edition of of Batman versus Superman. It seemed pretty good to me. I I, have, I understand some of the complaints. I've, it's way too dark. We don't get to see enough of Superman to begin with before he's already jumping in with Batman. So I, I had a lot of problems with it. But then we get to the Snyder cut of the Justice League. And like I said, I'm not a Zack Snyder fan. And then all this the crap and controversy that went around that whole movie. And unfortunately, his daughter, I think, committed suicide um, in the middle of pro- or towards the end of production. So he had to leave just before he finished. And they brought in Joss Whedon to kind of re- do a ton of reshoots, and he made it a completely different movie, and it got panned critically. So, of course, people came out in droves to request the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, and they released it on HBO Max, and it's four hours long, and it took out all of Joss Whedon's footage. Um, so there was that whole controversy over Superman having a mustache they had to take out digitally because he was already filming Mission Impossible, and so it looks terrible, and the, the movie came out in theaters. That's not even in this cut at all because they had already shot all Superman scenes. So there's no CGI mustache or whatever. So I have to say, I watched all four hours of it over like a week or something, little snippets here and there, like I was watching a TV show, you know, and it was a lot better than the original Justice League. So I actually do kind of recommend now, not going through the whole DCEU necessarily, but if the kind of the trio, the Man of Steel, Batman for Superman, and then uh, Justice League, 
you can kind of watch those on their own. Maybe stick stick in the Wonder Woman and Aquaman movies if you want a little more backstory. But through that four hours, you get so much more character moments, slower moments that you just they didn't have time for in the the released film, uh, where you get to get to know the characters better that we kind of needed from other movies that they just didn't do. So it was actually a lot better. It was more entertaining. It was more interesting because they learn about more cyborg. He's like almost like the main character of this version. Um, yeah, I, I was just I was really surprised. But I was like, this is actually a good movie now. <laughs> did you ever see the Snyder Cut yet? Yeah, I saw both. Uh, oh, you did? Okay. And my, my take my take on the Snyder Cut is the original one was almost unwatchable. Like the one that came out in theaters was insane. It was all it over was the so place. So poorly put together. Yeah. It was crazy. This one felt a little bit too exorbitant. That being said, I understand that, like, when else is Zack Schneider going to be given, like, a blank check to literally make the cut he wants? Right. <laughs> with no interference. So, like, I get why he did this crazy thing, but I feel like a three-hour version of the movie by him would have been okay. I feel like it's fine in the version that it is now being released just on streaming, and almost if you watch it like it's a, a mini series and break it up, it's not that bad. And it's like... I, I like the fact that I have all these slower moments to get to know the characters, but you're right. Like they would never release this in theaters. You should not release a four hour right. movie into theaters. Like, if anything, it makes me wish for the three hour Zack Snyder actual theatrical release. That would have originally happened. The, yeah. A terrible thing we got. Right. Exactly. Which is weird because Joss Whedon made a lot of good movies, but I think he, since he wasn't on board from the beginning and it was already thematically a Snyder movie, there was no way Joss Whedon was going to make that into his own after the fact it was just weird and that's why it came out a terrible movie well it's like them bringing in freaking ron howard at the end of solo to just try to dig that thing out of a hole yeah exactly so i do recommend it for people who haven't seen it and are actually interested in the dcu at all because it's all over the place now the dcu is falling apart in front of our eyes they keep making new movies and new universes that make no sense for whatever's going on but uh little honorable mentions here i did watch birds of prey because i had not seen that uh like some weird long tagline that it has, but it was the Harley Quinn and the other women teaming up. And it was a standalone story, really fun, uh, really some funny moments and entertaining. It wasn't fantastic, but it was like, huh, that was pretty good. A lot better than like the original Suicide Squad. I did watch The Suicide Squad, the James Gunn uh, sequel to Suicide Squad. Um, I felt it was completely unnecessary. Not that great. I thought it was OK. Kind of funny. It was better than the first thing. Yes, definitely better than the first but, one. But it wasn't. Some people like love that movie. I know they, they love that movie, and it was good. It was all right. It seemed unnecessary. It was, yeah, like it was okay. <laughs> yeah. And Michael then Michael Rooker was in it. He was for a minute. Um, for a bit. Then I saw finally the finish it all off with Black Adam. I did watch Black Adam, and it was pretty much as bad as the critics are saying it is. And I think it performed performed so badly in theaters that they're saying it might be the nail in the coffin of this entire run of DCU where James Gunn might be restarting everything because it performed so badly. It's it's such a bad James Gunn needs to do the right thing and salvage the only two bodies out of this that he can. And that's Henry Cavill, Superman and, and friggin Shazam. I mean, Gal Gadot Those was always only good, but her movies, two, I, but her, her, sec, her second movie I don't movie like the Wonder Woman's. Yeah, I don't. And, and I didn't even think the first one was as as good as people give it credit for. I think it was so much better 
than anything else <laughs> right. the DCU had offered that everyone was like, oh, my God, thank God they can make a, an OK film. The problem is they can't salvage Shazam because now he's inextricably linked to Black Adam and they they're going to ditch Black Adam. And so it's just going to not work. I don't know. With star power like The Rock, though, like it didn't James work. James Gunn might be smart. Right, right. But we're talking about but we're talking about them going to new ownership, new leadership. Well, the problem and is only new leadership, new leadership, a lot of nerds trust. Mm-hmm. If anybody a can make a good film with Black Adam, bring him back right and have have droves of nerds dying to go see it because it's him. It's gun. The problem is, though, is that apparently during Black Adam, he took over so much control of that movie because he has so much clout now that this movie was a result of The Rock. Like he's the person who had input on the script, on the creative direction, everything. And it bombed. It was critically panned. And so if he's well, working with James Gunn, I don't think he's going to give that much power to James Gunn to do what he wants with a Black Adam movie. That's my perspective on it. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe he'll give no, James Gunn the I mean, reins a bit more. I mean, no, what we are seeing is we are seeing, you know, I hate saying this, but we're going to we're about to see the fall of the rock. Great as he is. And if he doesn't transition well, he'll become a joke. Yeah. Because, like, think about Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, biggest action star in the world, in the world, and then all of a sudden he's executive producer on everything, in the yeah. exact same position, mm-hmm. and then he starts making things like The Sixth Day and End of Days <laughs> yes. and The Eraser, and these things where he doesn't transition mm-hmm. to the correct roles, and then he ends up as a joke. Now, mind you, his career did finally get back on track. A little bit. A little bit, but he still made a Terminator movie like a year ago <laughs> somehow. Um, so I, I think we are literally about to watch, watch The Fall of the Rock. And the reason it'll be The Fall of the Rock is he's still going to try to take too much power and creative control over these projects when what made him good was him being in other people's films that were they were in control and, and shaping the, the narrative. But we see now when he shapes the narrative, he's not a producer he's not a screenwriter and he's gonna he has too much power so you're right it's gonna like self-implosion basically well, yeah, so. he's not a producer he's an executive producer <laughs> the one who throws money at things but he also has power not to only that change. he gets 50 percent of all gross you serious it. that that's how so that's apparently i don't know if this is standard but that's how like executive producers work is they're like the top dog on the film and then however many executive producers they are split half of the take well, usually it's like executive producers are the ones throwing money at it, whereas regular producers are the ones who are actually on the day to day making the movie and stuff. But right, right. But executive producers are also the ones that are convincing the financiers, like the real money people. Yeah, and there's like a they're studios. selling it on the rock stock. But he had so much power. He was an executive producer of the movie. He was a star. He, he had a lot of power on it, and he even not halfway joked on the red carpet that he he wishes he, he could have taken over the the control of dc he says i think i could do something with that if they if they asked me i'd be i'd be at their disposal but instead they chose james gunn <laughs> like they're not picking you the rock so they they chose a guy that can actually make content and stuff <laughs> yes as it turns out i like the rock i from what i've seen of him and personally he seems like a really nice guy but you know he just i think he's getting a little too much power um and it's, it's corrupting in a way that's making him look bad but anyways, I think I don't know what the hell DCU is going to do. But those movies, I suggest Black Adam, not so much. But uh, yeah, Birds of Prey was fun and Snyder Cut surprisingly good. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, that takes us to the uh, trailer reviews. 
This week, I chose one of the... I found out what it was, where all these trailers came from. It was, uh, like, Brazilian Comic-Con. Random. The biggest non-US-based Comic-Con in the world. And that's where all these trailers came from last week that just suddenly appeared. (laughs) was from, like, Comic-Con Sao Paulo. Um, So, the one that that we didn't talk about yet, Indiana Jones 5. I didn't even bother to write down the ridiculous sub-name of this movie. Dial M for murder? (laughs) Dial M for murder. The Dial of Time or something? Indiana Jones. Dial of Destiny. That's how... Dial of Destiny. (laughs) It's alliterative. That's how you know it's going to be terrible. Oh, God. Uh, So, Harrison Ford (laughs) just mumbles his way through another one, guys. Um, the trailer. You're terrible. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> the trailer looks awful. Oh. It just looks awful. In that, any any shot in the trailer that isn't Harrison Ford standing still or walking somewhere slowly, it's a CGI ragdoll. I kid you not. Rewatch the trailer. It's not Harrison Ford standing doing nothing or walking down a hallway. It's the most CGI Harrison Ford you could imagine. Because he's 80 years old. They didn't even get stunt doubles. It's CGI, guys. Um, There's clearly a time travel element in this one. We're going to see some crazy like AI de-aging stuff with Harrison Ford. It could be flashbacks, not time travel. I'm willing to bet it's time travel and that he's like somehow revisiting these old because the thing is, it's the dial of destiny. So it's going to be this everything led till now. So I can almost guarantee it's going to be some sort of time travel element where he has to interact with his past self or we'll see that he was behind his own shenanigans the whole time in some way because he was destined to do so. I could almost guarantee it. I Young think Indy interacting I, with old Indy is too good to pass up. I think it's a total shame that they just didn't take the opportunity to make him Professor Jones now and like let him not be the one jumping off of cars and shit. He's 80 years old. Like make him Professor Jones, have someone else come to the forefront as the new action figure um, and not him because it doesn't, it doesn't make logical sense. Like he's 80. Let him be the professor who's giving the information. Well, and they are bringing in a. A sort of a duel of new talent. They've got somebody, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Oh, yeah, she's play a great. character called Helena. I don't know her from anything. She's and in then, a lot of stuff. And then, as you said, the, the new action guy is Boyd Holbrook from things like uh, Predators and or The Predator, whichever one that one was. I don't think anyone's excited about and him. And he was in... Uh, oh, he was uh, in uh, The Sandman. Ho- uh, Logan and Sandman. There we go. He is really good in Sandman, actually. He is. So, like, they are bringing in new talent, but, like, I just can't get over the fact that, like, they're still trying to sell Harrison Ford as an action star, and he's clearly not doing anything in this film. Well, I will say, also, by the way, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she was in Solo Star Wars Floor, Star Wars Story. Uh, she was also, her big show is Fleabag, um, which is it got it was a wonderful ah, show. It's super funny. Um, she's good because really Solo is trash. So yeah. well, she played a a, a droid in uh, Solo, um, but she's a really good actress. She's really funny. Um, so I'm hoping they bring some that humor to that. But also, this trailer I feel like maybe was released too early because they don't have enough to show because it tells you nothing about what this movie is about. Nothing, uh, not even a hint. Right. 
Um, it's just a bunch of scenes smashed together that make no sense with one another. So it's just like, I think it's just a terrible trailer. I'm hoping we see Nazis. We see young Harrison Ford. Yeah. Nothing sticks together as making sense. Uh, We see a a chase scene involving a motorcycle and a tuk-tuk, maybe a horse. (laughs) He's on a horse at some point. And by that, I mean a CGI thing is on a horse at some point. But seriously, rewatch the trailer. Watch for him, Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah. And then watch for like just cgi ragdoll that's what i'm saying maybe the cgi isn't done yet hopefully um but also but why I love- didn't they use stunt doubles that's know. the other thing there are classic ways of making these movies work without the main guy doing the thing right <laughs> that already existed it's existed in hollywood for like 100 years <laughs> but they had to cgi ragdoll harrison ford literally 100 years yes literally 100 years <laughs> since the 1920s <laughs> but I do love that John Reese Davies is back as Sala. He might not have a big part in the movie. That was but refreshing. It was that nice. was refreshing. You're right. Um, I'm kind of done with every villain being played by Mads Mikkelsen. Like we can find some other actors, um, but he's back. We in get this. it. He's got a devious face. <laughs> he does. I get it. Um, Antonio Banderas <laughs> is in this movie, which is cool. I think it'd be interesting. Um, also, Toby Jones, who people have seen from probably everything from Harry Potter to every other British movie ever made. Um, he was also the guy in um, the Winter Soldier, that bad. He's like Red Skull's Zolov. Zolov, or yeah, Zola. Um, Zola, there we go. But yeah, I mean, really good cast. But hey, they had a great cast for the last one. He had Jones 4, and that didn't turn out so well either. But also, James Mangold, I think he's has he's a fantastic director. Um, so if he screws, if he took this on, I'm hoping that means it's because it has a great script and something is good about it because he did Logan. Um, I think he did Deus Ex Machina, which is a fantastic movie. Um, did he do Deus Ex Machina? Well, that explains him using that Boyd guy, at least. He did not do Ex Machina, but he did do Logan, um, which I thought was great. And then Ford versus Ferrari, which was Oscar nominated. Um, and 310 to Yuma was a good one. Kate and Leopold, he directed that. I love that movie. <laughs> also with Hugh that- Jackman was a movie that was a great time traveling hugh jackman falling in love with a modern girl meg ryan girl in inter- a girl interrupted <laughs> yes if but, i remember correctly kate and leopold was the one that originally had an ending where it was revealed that he was her long-lost ancestor and it like grossed out test audiences and they had to redo <laughs> the entire end of the movie yeah because that's kind of weird <laughs> But they anyway. were like trying to defend it. Like, it's like 10 generations, guys. It's probably fine. It's probably no. okay. Yeah, no big deal. But I just I have a feeling that he wouldn't take this on unless it was good at this point in his career. At least he thinks it's good. Uh, not some kind of mess. But I think this that trailer is a remember, mess. Someone thought Indiana Jones 4 was good, too. <laughs> I didn't mind it. But there was a lot of problems. Uh, a lot of ragdoll uh, monkeys in that so one. So many, so many problems. Far too much Shia LaBeouf. Yes. You all agree. But I'm hoping that uh, a new trailer will come out and make more sense. The CGI will be better. There's more footage, more of a story showing. Um, I'm not, I'm reserving judgment till a new trailer comes out because that was a pretty awful trailer. Um, I, I want- reserve nothing. This is trash. <laughs> God. I have my favorite Harrison movie of all time. Don't is you the have last enough Crusade, money? So. Maybe you would have more money if you stopped crashing small single-engine planes. <laughs> Maybe if you spent less money on tiny planes like their tissues, Harrison. 
Come on, Harrison. We have to do this movie, and you could be retired. Well, it looks like I'm going out on adventure again. I'm going to run out and grab some falafel. I'm just going to hop in the plane real quick. Don't get the plane. You're too old. Just go to to the food truck. I'm going to take the plane to the food truck. I'm going to fly the plane. It's a set, and I'm going to break my ankle again. (laughs) Harrison, do you want to practice your lines? Uh, I'm Indiana Jones. Uh, It's... uh, uh, they call that a knife. Is that me? Snakes? That's not me. All right. Snakes. All right. Ah, I hate snakes. There we go. Dial M for murder. Something. <laughs> Did anyone see Firewall? Great movie. Great movie. Anybody watching the Wiggles? I like the Wiggles. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it takes so us to the end. I'm going to give. Episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, we got to give it a rating. That's I'm right. Give this one. Gary Busey, who just got a bullwhip, and he's using it to knock shit off the shelves in the house. <laughs> and Ralph Julia is just so sick of it. Who's his roommate? <laughs> that was my mother's urn. <laughs> yeah, but I got it real good. How dare you? <laughs> I'm going to give this uh, one Gary Busey staring at a potted plant that is just starting to grow. And he's about to throw out the window. And says, this, this is terrible. It doesn't look like a plant at all. And Raul Julia slapping him and putting it down and saying, you have to let it grow. You must be patient. <laughs> That's what I'm no, giving this. Tra- trash. 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 Well, join us uh, for our next episode. Where we'll be talking about what, Steve? Well, uh, we're going to bring back the old classic rule of three, where we check out the third movie in film franchises to see if it's good, bad or ugly. And uh, I've got a feeling that we're in for a good one with Lost Boys 3, The Thirst. The Corey Feldman vehicle. <laughs> That's right. From 2010. Uh, and I've not seen Lost Boys 1, so I'm going to watch that first and we'll be able to talk oh, about that a, a little bit, too. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of another episode and the end of another year with a play on nerds. Uh, we'll keep on coming back and you're nerdy, being your nerdy co-hosts in the new year if you keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay merry and nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?